All right, Paolo, hit record so we can start saying terrible things. <laughs> start. <laughs> uh, we can start by doing German terrible expressions. Like, the Karmajan show is part of the Hegarty Broadcasting... Pop. Fuck. <laughs> the Karmajan show is part of the Hegarty Podcast Network. 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 Um, I did it. I said it. The Hegarty Podcast Network. Oh, you know what you have to do? How do you say it in, in Deutsch? Uh, Applause, bitte. No, I want more applause. Um, what were we just talking about? Oh, horrible German sayings. Um, what was the first one? Oh, that's because I was talking about Heckflosser. You were talking about some... Everywhere. Rosquist. Rosquist? She's obviously not German. Yeah, I was going to say that does not sound German. It sounds more like it's Swedish or something. Yeah. Um, and she apparently did what? Argentine uh, rally won it. Why? Because uh, they told her she couldn't finish. So she said, they, they, they said, I could not finish, so I finished first. But will she finish? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it would be awesome if she's like, you cannot finish, but I am finished. <laughs> no, you cannot finish the rally. Then I finish first because I'm finished. Uh, so which started a discussion about German sayings that are really um, sexist. Like, Frauen am Steuer. Das wird teuer. Mm. Mm -hmm. Americans have an analogous statement. We do. That's so I mean, offensive. A mentality. Maybe there's not an explicit statement to that effect, but it's translate. definitely a men mentality that Americans would hold. Then you can translate that for the audience so I don't get in trouble for doing so. <laughs> um, women are when women steering, then that becomes expensive, I guess. <laughs> Yes, it was a derogatory uh, little rhyme because Steuer is like the, the say, I'm Steuer, I mean, sitting at the wheel, like, and, you know, controlling Doing the, the car, act of driving. steering. Yeah, driving. Um, and Steuer rhymes with Toya, which, which is means expensive. expensive. The other one is, oh, no, I'm not even say the other <laughs> one. <laughs> you could say it in German only and not translate it. Really? Oh, I don't know. What are they going to do with this? Nach dem Essen sollst du rauchen oder eine Frau gebrauchen, hast du beides nicht zur Hand und wächst du eines fürs Vaterland. I mean, You're it is translate. after lunchtime. No, 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 I'm not translating it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. All of you who speak German in the comments, please. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have to believe that. <laughs> this is this is the problem. This is what happens when you go to high school in Germany. And they're like, oh, you're American. We teach you all the good shit. Um, and they teach you all the really terrible stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then you become a grown-up and you remember it. Because you know, I don't remember where I was yesterday, but stuff that I learned when I was 15 in high school, right there. And heaven forbid if you were trying to do something genuinely useful in Germany. Can't do that, but just keep the good rhymes at hand. Generally useful. I was in high school. What was I supposed to be doing that was useful? Yeah. I mean, I was egging cars and I, wasn't, I would never do that. But you were, <laughs> have you told on the podcast before the story about the, <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll let you finish that sentence and then I'll be like, Shh, cut, what? The digit, um, the, the number of digits on the Sifaren sign. You probably oh, have Probably not. the biggest ticket I ever got. Mm -hmm. I mean, technically well, I didn't get Your, your father got the ticket. Well, your father got arrested. Anyway. <laughs> Damn it, Derek. So uh, yeah, if I, I'm going to have to, I mean, we can't not, you can't like, you know. I was 18 or 19. I came back from, from <laughs> such an asshole. I came back for the summer and I was driving. My dad had a work car that was an Opel Calibra 2 liter 8 valve, six speed, five speed. 
I think it was a five-speed. Um, anyway, stick shift Calibra, and I had two friends in the car, and we were driving into this little town, and it had one of those signs that says, your speed is, and it it displayed my speed, and it was a 30 zone. <laughs> so uh, in Germany, when you're on a Landstrasse, a country road, it's 100, unless otherwise indicated 100K. And then as soon as you hit the yellow sign that tells you you're inside town limits, it goes to 50K. And then there was subsequently a 30K sign. But it was one of those like you're coming into this town in the middle of nowhere and whatever. So we came in at, you know, a reasonable speed, like I don't know, 150, and then slowed, slowed down normally. And it said your speed is 38 or whatever it was. And that started a discussion among me and my idiot friends, the same ones who told me those horribly offensive statements that I do take back, um, having just said them. And, um, and they're like, there's, there's no third digit on that. Like, what would have happened if you were doing like 102 in a 30 zone? And so we had to find out because of science. Mm -hmm. So I turned around, went out of town, hauled ass about, I don't know, half a mile up the road and floored it. And we came into town and apparently there's a third digit because it said 172. Um, well, that's we, more than half a mile. Uh, whatever. It was a quick car. I don't know. I don't know how far it was. It was in meters. I can't tell. Yeah. So anyway, so boom. But when it said 172, it flashed. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I'm going to get shot by this. And one of my idiot friends, who's not an idiot at all, is like, no, 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 no. You don't have to worry. They, they time the camera. This is film days, right? I mean, this is not. This is 1990, whatever. Statute of limitations has long since expired on this. Um, he's like, they time it. So if it's a 30 zone, they time the, the flash to only go off after a certain amount of time. So to make sure the front of your car is in focus <laughs> and is in frame because obviously it couldn't pan. And he's like, you were going so much over the speed limit that basically they're just going to have a picture of your back bumper or no car at all. You're fine. So I didn't say anything to my dad company car it was registered at his office and he had gotten many many visits from the police over things that my mom had done while we were living there and um yeah nothing happened for a couple months and then i got the phone call um which i think is the maddest my father's ever been at me which is saying something because i you know he has a temper and i was a child ill-tempered uh, he's ill-tempered and so am i uh yeah and it was something along the lines of Beep, beep, beep. I can't say any of what he said to me. The fuck are you doing? So apparently he was in his office and the police showed up uh, with a picture of me and my two idiot friends looking right at the camera because that's where the speed limit sign, the you, your speed is sign was. And so he just sees the secretary go right over there and they walked into his office and they're like, well, this is clearly not you, but you have to come down to the police station to identify this person. And there you are, the fucking three idiots here looking right at the fucking camera and laughing, blah, blah, blah. Like we didn't know it was a camera. I don't give a fuck. 172 and a 30. Impressive. Oh, kilometers. You're a very high achiever. And, and let me say one thing. I, I was 18. I was stupid. But also there was nothing around. It I mean, like, what is that? That's like 105 miles an hour? Um, no. 160 is 100. So 170 would be 112 plus 2 is about 113 in an 18 mm. zone. Or mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, in my defense, we were just doing it. You also could have just been going like 100K or 110K. You're going to fucking send it. Send it. If I've taught you nothing, son, that's probably what my father would have said if it was someone else's kid who got busted at 101. But uh, yeah, no, it, it did get apparently perfectly focused, centered right in the picture. The three idiots looking right at the camera. And I had to explain to him. I'm like, no, we were just, we didn't know. Doesn't matter. And, you know, again unsafe horrible 
statute of limitations is gone, but but also nothing around. It's not like we were going except to a for a village. Well, it was it was forthcoming. We were about to really actually enter the village, but we hadn't really yet. Or I would have done that. Even at eighteen, I wasn't that stupid. I mean, I survived to this point. Okay. Anyway, thank you for fucking ratting me out. Sure. One seventy-two. Did we have a, a topic today, or is this just going to be story time with Jason? No, it's story time with both of us. And by mm. the way, don't fucking blame me on that. All I told you was, you know, offensive German sexist things, and you turned it into story time with Jason. I want story time with Derek. Never. I don't have any stories. I am an angel. Mm-hmm. I think regular listeners of the po- this podcast already have enough information on you to convict. Huh. So you might want to go. Oh, fuck. We forgot to turn the house lights off. Oh, hold on. We're going to have ready. 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 Oh, that's you, positively you dark. So much more bluer. Blue. Yes. I would say yes. Less we yellow. Blue. <laughs> that would imply. That. Oh, Jesus Christ. Derek. <laughs> Because they imply that you were like, you know, drinking and you had some sort of jaundice situation going mm. on. Right, mm-hmm. of course. Okay, so the, the this episode was going to start out with with me asking you to fill in, to, re, to, to com- complete this sentence. Also, it was supposed to start out with me being able to speak English in full sentences without stuttering. <clears throat> Try Haggerty Podcast Network. Should we say that again? This 62nd episode? Third. Fuck. Third. 63rd. 63rd episode of The Carmudgeon Show is brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. Okay. Or in German, this 63rd episode of the Haggerty Podcast Network show called The Carmudgeon Show, which oh, is... Oh, you should use German uh, grammar, where you where you split the sequences where the, the infinitive goes uh, at the end. If I did that, we would see on the YouTube, like, how many people fast forward past sections, like, the attention rate would drop to zero, because people are like, what? Fuck him. Uh, yes. I'm going to have you complete the sentence. Never have I ever. Or never have I ever. Am I speaking from your like, perspective or my perspective? No, yours. Isn't that like a stupid game that, like, you know. Oh, yes, yes. Teenagers this is like, play while this they're is, playing sleepover? Yes, yes okay. correct. Never have, never have I ever. It's like truth or dare. That'd be a fun one. Mm. That'd be a fun one to do on this thing. I think the truth, you just gave it away. Truth or dare, truth. Did you ever get a ticket for 172 and a 30? Shit. <clears throat> never have I ever. You never got a ticket. Never have you ever. Um, that was before I'd ever been actually personally given a plane, uh, uh, this speeding ticket. Hmm. My actual first speeding ticket was a 110 and a 55 miles per hour. That's an impressive achievement. I started out right. I don't think I ever have exceeded 100 in a, on a ticket. I was going to say, <laughs> on a ticket. you exceeded 100 on the way to lunch. Which is interesting because you were driving. Because I wasn't even driving. <laughs> Paolo, he's the hidden Italian. I swear, with a dog in the passenger seat, it was very The dangerous. dog was going 110. Yeah, but that's only because he was doing laps of the, of the car. Oh my God, where are we going? We're going to have lunch. Um. <laughs> Never have you ever. Yeah. Um. Never have you ever. Never have I ever. Um. Done 100 miles an hour, for example, you could say. I, this is truth. And not documented by the California Highway Patrol or any other... Statute of limitations on most of this stuff does, doesn't apply because it all happens in Mexico. Oh, yes. Isn't that the way the internet works? Mm-hmm. Okay. What have you never done? I did something I had never done, and that was what I was trying to get at, obviously. I took a car that we once, we have both owned, your sloppy seconds, <laughs> as it were, 
And I dropped it off at a shop and am paying someone to do preventative maintenance and repair work. It's the first time you've done that in your life. Last month, I dropped rose gold off to have it fixed because I needed to just make her go away. And that's to my friends. So that doesn't count. But this is an actual business transaction where I dropped off a car and said, make timing belts no longer old, make oil leak no longer rival the Exxon Valdez disaster. And I'll be back when you're done to pick it up. And I'm very... How do you feel? I'm genuinely scared. Hmm. Genuinely scared. So the shop I dropped it off has seen this car before. Actually, I pulled up and, and the guy... So here's the thing. It's called Dino Motors. This is not a plug for them. I did not get a fucking deal. I should have. <laughs> I should have like been like, do you know how much exposure I can give you on their Carmudian show? And they would have been like, it's fuck you, who are you? Get out. Um, Dino Motors, which I dropped off a Ferrari 308 GD4. Dino, that number one. Number two, they've seen it before. Number three, the guy who owns, opened the shop about... 1862 um is named johannes and he's swiss good fucking move you always want a swiss person touching your shit uh and he has a 308 gt4 and then sold the shop to and he still works there i think he's 141 great guy he sold the guy to a guy named danny who also has a 308 gt4 mm -hmm. and i thought if i'm gonna give my 308 gt4 to someone to do timing belts on it i'm gonna give it to someone who i can say treat it like your own fucking car and mean it and have them understand what that means. So I did. Yeah, they maintained the car while I owned it. They didn't do a belt. They did not because it had been done just prior to my purchase. The problem with this car is it's so good. It runs so well that I'm genuinely, I don't want to touch anything. So I haven't, like, my my thing to him was, he's like, well, we're going to go through the carbs. I'm like, mm, mm, don't touch it. Just don't touch anything. It starts, it idles. It's perfect. It does everything right. I He's like, you know, how many miles has it been since the last service? And I don't even remember, 10, 12. And he's like... The last belt service? Belt service. Oh, yeah. less than that. How many miles are on the car now? 50-something, right? 58, maybe? 58? No, I think I've only put 3,000, so 53. So they... But he was like, when was the last time you, you know, adjusted points? And I'm like, don't touch it. He's like, what do you mean? You don't have an MSD? Like, he was shocked that it doesn't have an aftermarket ignition system. It doesn't have anything else. And I'm like, it is perfect. The day it stops being perfect, I'll put, you know, computerized ignition in it. Until then, just please leave it alone. So that's that's my biggest fear is that he's going to be like, I'm going to upgrade this. And the upgraded car is not going to run as well as the perfect one. So the good thing is he'll, he'll drive it and, you know, he'll see. He'll probably notice 50 things that neither of us have noticed because, you know, he sees them all It's the his job. <laughs> so... Do you need like emotional support I do. Uh, in this time? I mean, yeah, I went and hugged my Scirocco earlier today to make me feel better about this. Okay. Literally never paid anyone to do a belt. I mean, I once gave my E30 to my friend to, oh, he was, he did a fuel tank seal. Once I gave my E30, my other, my other shitbox E30 to a friend to hold on to for us to schedule a motor swap. And he did it. But that's, you know, Bill Arnold. He's just bill he and nate they had nothing to do so they swapped a new motor for they built me a 2.7 that's the motor that's now in my wagon that was <laughs> a surprise all of a sudden one day i came home and i'm like what asshole parked any 30 in front of oh that's mine and this is this is my old coupe and i got in it i drove around the block i'm like oh my god it's a 2.7 it's so fast wow and, and that was a surprise but other than like you know like my cars the last time anyone's touched a Scirocco, it's got to be 15 years 
I mean, it would have been an alignment shop and I would have been sitting, it was. In fact, it was 10 years ago. I sat there and watched the guy. The owner was pissed off at me, brought me inside. And while I wasn't looking, he had his regular guy do the alignment and the fucking camber bolt fell out when I was a thousand miles away. And I veered into oncoming traffic. Wow. No one touches my cars. I'm, I'm a terrible mechanic, but everyone is worse. <laughs> but anyway. They so have I'm, successfully worked on that car in the past to great effect. I mean, we'll the car functions. We'll see. I had no choice in that. I really want to take that car to Monterey this year. So this year... Car so week. Car week. Every year I take one of the old cars. I don't believe... This is a little ju- judgmental, but this is an old classic car event. And it's that one time where you can street park literally anything and not worry about it. Because everyone is like-minded and everyone's there for old cars. And I just don't think it's appropriate to bring a modern car... I also don't really think it's appropriate at all to drive a press car, which a lot of our, you know, colleagues do. Um, mm-hmm. Go get something fucking old and street park and leak oil everywhere. I mean, if you live in like New York, it's a little bit harder to execute on that than if you live two hours drive away. Haggerty Drive Share, Turo, go buy something. I mean, you know, I have friends that live in Palm Springs. They'll just go buy something somewhere on the coast. It doesn't matter what it is and just make an adventure. Like they bought a Lancia Beta Coupe once. Ooh, and that's how that works. Great. They had it for years. Um, they found it was on Craigslist a, a month beforehand. They flew out, drove it, parked it somewhere, and then came back and it was their Pebble car. Distances aren't that great. It's not like, you know, it's, it works really well having an old car there. Yes, um, I have to agree with that. The Giulietta was great last year. Right. For that and so, purpose. And you brought, did you bring this GT4 down one year for, was your? Twice, event? I think. Wow. I think I brought it in 15 and 17 or something mm-hmm. like that. I forget. Well, I've not brought that. I've not used that as my Pebble car. So the only two remaining cars that I own that haven't been to Pebble other than Beatrice and, she, and the E-Golf, which, <laughs> no thanks, um, is the Honda Beat, which needs a belt, and the Ferrari, which needs two belts. Um, and so I thought the Beat has no luggage area. It's It would really be a compromised. I was very impressed by how little luggage space the Beat has. It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's wild. Like a shoebox would be genuinely like, oh, maybe we take the, bo- the shoes out of the box. I don't think. I don't think a shoe box would fit in the trunk. No, I think you have to put the shoes in mm-hmm. without the box and throw the box And even away. that, if they're large, like anything more than like size 11, no chance. Um, it's a very small. Yep. So the Ferrari's got a big trunk, by comparison. It does. I think it's a genuinely large trunk. Mm-hmm. And I could take the spare tire out and fill up the trunk if I needed to, and then walk if anything happened. So yeah, so the, the problem is the oil leak is so great that the I have friends who are incredibly generous and, and let me use their guest house every year, which is walking distance from the lawn. And it's the most amazing thing. Unfortunately, their driveway is worth more than my entire life and yours and everything else. And so I can't oil slick it because mm. it would cost them probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to undo the damage that I do. So brought it to Dino. They're going to do belts on it, so I don't have to worry about it. And then also hopefully get the leaks to the point where I can put a drip tray under the car and not worry. And not have it fill the drip tray up and overflow. Mm-hmm which would go down to the bay and kill all the wildlife. <laughs> People were like, we went to the Monterey Aquarium, and it was black and everything was dead. Yes, oh, and bad news, <laughs> sea otters are endangered yeah, again. Exactly. Camisa was on the peninsula with his leaky Ferrari. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you go down there, the highlight of Car Week, we've talked about Car Week on the show before, but the best thing about it to me is just driving around and all the cool old shit that you see that is sort of just being used like a regular old car. Ferrari Daytonas, 330s, uh, you know, old Alfa Romeos. There's a shitload of air-cooled Porsches to the point that you just don't even notice them anymore because there's too many of them. Pebble Beach Pinto. They're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, like, a lot of new exotics and stuff like that, which, you know, like you said, is not 
I don't know. I guess it's better than showing up in a Ford Fusion rental car. Look, if you gotta have a rental car, you gotta have a rental car. But if you're gonna show up in, if you're gonna show up in your modern like Mercedes S Class, go home. I, have, I I think that's preferable to a like a wanker Ferrari or something like that. Okay, uh, I think you're gonna have to define what constitutes a wanker Ferrari. Uh, <clears throat> I would say let's see, let's describe what the exemptions to wankerhood are. Manuel. Manual, exactly. <laughs> uh, that is so predictable. The me. only turbocharged ones allowed are the... Uh, 288 and F40? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess, you know, maybe a, a, 208, a 308 turbo or whatever, the 208 turbo. Anything manual yes. is exempted. So that yes. exempts the 488s and the Pistas and the... That 488 and Pista. Yeah. NF8s. NF8s. Yeah, so there's always the whatever the latest greatest Ferrari is. There's a ton of those. Okay, so why does this offend you so? What wanker Ferraris? Mm-hmm. I love the quote from David E. Davis uh, when he reviewed the original 308 GT4. Oh, this is the first time you've ever said you liked anything that David E. Davis ever said. He was an amazing writer and a great storyteller, but he was a douchebag. Does that mean I never met the man? But I I couldn't read automobile as a twelve year old. I couldn't read automobile because I'm like this holier than thou twat was all about let's go have wine and cheese and go to great places. I understand that now as an adult. But then I was just like, he's a little bit... Pretentious, pompous. Yeah. Um, but he did really write a couple of great articles. He's including great with words. Yeah, including obviously the 2002, the hymn for the, the 2002. You know, never, never read it. Are you serious? That no. was the, the reason why the BMW 2002 became a thing was because of his article. This is before automobile existed. This was for car driver. Got it. Yeah. Um, but he, the, in the review of the 308 GT4, he basically said Enzo despised all of the all of his customers, which was true. And he was talking about the effete San Franciscans who would complain about like air conditioning or something. Like it was, I don't remember exactly what the quote, but it was the effete San Francisco <laughs> customers. And I was like, okay, I'm not that feminine. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really give a shit about the fucking air conditioning. It wasn't AC, but anyway, his point was that Enzo despised the rich douchebags who drove their drove his cars because they were buying them as status symbols and didn't know how to operate them. And so I got to think my personal distaste for whatever modern supercar is out there right now has everything to do with the people who drive them and how they drive them and nothing to do with the cars, but it's the people that those cars attract. And then I feel guilty for hating a person I don't even know and judging them. And then it just goes. Do this, you like the cars? <laughs> okay so that maybe no, runs no, slightly no, 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 no. i've never liked cars i never had like a testarossa on my wall i never had, I had a peugeot 405 mi16 on my wall i had i actually did one porsche it was a 944 s2 cab i don't know why i had a poster of that probably because that's what i picked up at the new york auto show or something but i i was always wolf in chief clothing type person and not an overt sports car person but you were different yeah. while you sit there and quietly judge me uh let's see Mm -hmm. how do we characterize this you just tell them you just tell me everybody's a douchebag except for you and then then we're on even footing that's what i basically said these cars have a great deal of capability built into them and i fear that a lot of people who own them don't use that capability and there's a value judgment that you put on it 
when you say that it's bad to not use all the capability, right? That's on me. I fully accept that that's maybe unfair. But why does all that capability exist if not to use it? And so these cars, I think, should be exercised thoroughly, and a lot of people don't do that. And Ferry Porsche said the same thing. I mean, like when I've, I've used the phrase Porsche weenies before, Porsche people do this too, right? They're so obsessively concerned about correctness and whether it's matching and all of the people who are out there cleaning cars with dive. I do not have the patience to show a car. I would never, ever do that. I just don't give a shit. I'm just going to cower in the corner. <laughs> I keep insulting you. Um, yep. All that. Listen, <laughs> there are all flavors. Let me do, let me be nice here for once because somebody's got to be nice. There are all flavors of car enthusiasts. Some people love cars for the way they look, some car, for the way they sound, for the way they smell, the way they drive, the way they handle. I and mean, there are a million different reasons you can love cars. I don't typically see eye to eye with people who drive cars because of what that says about them. I mean, I just got interviewed by someone who I didn't realize was going to publish this interview, video interview. And he's like, what do you think when I say the word luxury? And I just immediately was like, I said, douchebag. And he was like mortified. And he's like, why would you say that? I'm like, because anyone who's in search of a luxury experience is a douchebag. That's why. Okay, so this actually raises something that always has <clears throat> annoyed me. And it usually comes from people who are well-meaning and just don't know anything about cars. And so I have to just say that this is not their thing and this is not their area of expertise and they don't give a shit. But people are characterizing the interactions that I have with cars as a luxury experience and they think of it as being fancy and I'm like, and you're like uh, if you only knew what it was standing on the side of the road in the without any shade or water waiting for a tow truck it's not a luxurious experience <laughs> and that's not the draw of this activity it's not about luxury and when people are like oh you're you know they call your you know deal in the sales of luxury cars I'm like mm, this is like the opposite of luxury actually Power takeoff unit failure on a Ferrari FF, not a luxurious experience. Well, not for anyone except the parts guy. Yeah, yeah, all of that's true. Uh, so the appeal is not, like you say, in, in terms of what it says to other people or the image that it portrays. And if somebody is buying a car for that reason, I automatically disagree with them. You know, the, the, the temptation is to say that they are not car enthusiasts or they're bad enthusiasts or whatever you know that's a value judgment and that's my perspective that's like sort of you know my own philosophy but the these types of cars you know you if you're going to buy a car with this kind of capability i think you should learn how to drive use a lot of its capability otherwise you know you're wrong from my perspective what is what is the point so when 991.1 gt3 came out i got into an argument with andreas preininger and he was very upset having come from Geneva, Geneva Auto Show where they dropped the car and everyone just fucking pitchforks and flaming, you know. Effigies. Quite upset. And so he he was he had just been really beat up and I didn't know him. This is the first time I ever met him. And he was like, these fucking people. Ah. And I'm like, I'm one of them. Sorry. And in the argument that we got into, which was what established, I would I'd like to say our friendship. I mean, we're not close friends, but we chat every once in a while on, on the DMs. Um, I said, you know, come back to me and talk to me in a year when you're so pissed off that all your GT3 customers in LA are bitching about brake dust and brake squealing and there's not enough sound deadening because I can't take a call with a meeting on my Bluetooth and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, fuck you, blah, 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 drive the car. Drove the car, he was 100% right. It was amazing. Absolutely phenomenal to drive. 
a year later, eight months later, whatever it was, he had invited me personally to Cayman GT4. And I didn't know why until I got there when he said he, the number one warranty com- complaint on GT3 was squeaky brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, he was violent that there were people that had like 30,000 kilometers already on their cars. And he's like, you don't buy GT3 to put 30,000 highway miles on it commuting. And I'm like, that's what happens when you put an automatic in your car. You're just going to get the wrong customers guaranteed. Yes, and the thing about the 997 GT3 that made it so special was that as soon as you got in and you pushed down the clutch, you're like, oh, that's too heavy. It's not the car for me. Exactly. It automatically weeded out the douchebags. With <clears throat> and no, no offense to douchebags, I like plenty of douchebags. But, but it just, it made a very clear intent that that car was not meant to be driven every day. You started, the flywheel made all kinds of horrible noises. Yeah. And it was just... The shifter effort and the clutch effort were enormous. Yeah. And the car rides so hard. The thing about the 991 is it rides really gently. Mm-hmm. And like, it's no more physically demanding to drive a 991 GT3 than a Carrera, effectively. Right. And the result is now they're selling for $100,000 or $150,000. Yeah, because everybody sticker. wants one. And I have a very good friend, you know this person, I'm not going to say his initials uh but he wants a gt3 badly like this is now dream car full mission he has the financial means to do it he's opposed to paying one hundred and fifty thousand dollars over sticker but not that opposed and i'm like uh-uh sorry gt3 perfect hundred eighty thousand dollar car hundred and fifty thousand dollar hundred and thirty thousand dollar car that's the best sports car you can buy uh three hundred thousand no go no way no how it's just not good enough to be a three hundred thousand dollar car right go and go and buy something old and have a real experience if you want if you want to be miserable for three hundred thousand dollars and he's just fucking absolutely dead set he's not he doesn't know how to drive and i don't mean this as an insult to him yes he can drive a car but he's never been on a racetrack he's never done an autocross he's not one to redline his cars he's just he drives quickly he has a lot of really fast cars but this is one step too far. I keep saying to him, like, first of all, I think 991 is a better choice for most people anyway because it's got a nicer interior. And the, the benefits of 992 are on bumpy, twisty back roads at 10 tenths, i.e. the Nürburgring. That's where the, the huge dividends of switching to a control arm front suspension from struts really start to, to pay off. So why spend twice what you'd spend on a 991 GT3 Touring on a 992 when you're not going to take advantage of the of the benefits and if you're not going to rev the thing to nine grand don't just go get a base carrera just go get something else but he wants the best and i understand he deserves the best he works really really hard he saves he's done the work but then i cringe and say he's the type of person who's going to go back to the the dealership and be like i'm sorry this this is a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar car i shouldn't hear i shouldn't hear brake squealing you're the wrong fucking customer but this is what happens you make something amazing and the wrong customers want it that's Ferrari's biggest problem. Yeah, there is. I feel this way often about meritocracy generally, is that when these things get expensive, it's the pe- people who can afford them are not necessarily people who can deserve them. When I think about somebody who knows... Deserve. Everything. Sorry. Um, <laughs> meritocracy in terms of like automotive chops, right? There's someone mm-hmm. out there who desperately wants one of these cars who can't afford it and who knows all the details and the technical specifics of it and is probably good enough driver through honed through years of whatever cars they've owned that are within their means and they desperately want this car, but they just can't afford it because it's a quarter of a million dollars. And then there's all these, and those people are a group of people who deserve to have the cars. And then, the, and then there are some of the pe- those people who have the means and can afford to buy the car, and those, but those people I think are the minority. And then the rest of the people who buy the car are people who have the money, but not necessarily that deep passion and knowledge and expertise and just full-blooded commitment to the idea of what the car truly is. 
And there has always been a disconnect between who I feel like merits the car in terms of their enthusiasm and knowledge and passion and all of the stuff that makes a true red-blooded enthusiast and the people who can afford it. And those groups don't overlap very much. No. And that's been true for decades and decades. And I think that's the core of what Enzo Ferrari's comment is about whether, you know, the people who can buy the cars and whether they truly deserve them or not. I mean, deserve is a strong word. And I really like that you used it because I, I agree with you. I mean, my good friend doesn't deserve a GT3. He needs to go out and learn how to drive the fucking thing. Drive, go drive a Miata first. Go drive something else and graduate to that car. Um, but this is, you know, everyone, anyone who bought a Pista over a 488, I'm sorry to tell you, like you, I don't work for ACM anymore, but I mean, you bought the wrong car. If, if, you, if you think you can handle a Pista. Well, here, counterpoint. Um, now I'm going to feel like an asshole. (laughs) What if this person is like, I don't need to use all the capability. I just want to have the best one because that's what makes me happy. Or I want the stripes. That's what I would say to the person we were just talking about with GT3. He, that's, and this is where I struggle, right? Fucking. So we've just had a amazing. Save. (laughs) (laughs) Gravity just pulled Paolo's headphones up somehow and they they flew into the wall and he poured water all over his crotch. Did you just pee pee yourself? Paolo, yeah, Paolo made a made, made a pee pee. <laughs> I love it. We could look. We're gonna have technical issues. We're gonna call it out and then make fun of the nameless, or the faceless Paolo. It's like no one knows what he's really like. No one knows if he really exists. All we know is he's gold as stick. Sorry. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah. I look. I run into that same problem with my buddy who wants a GT three. Like yeah, I. I He's a wonderful person, and like I said, he works hard, he wants it, he deserves it. So I want him to have it. But at the same time, I also continue to steer him away from it because I just don't think he's going to use what's there. And so, But do you have to use it in order to be a deserving owner? No. But then I'm sorry to say... You're You're less cool in my eyes. You're just a douchebag. I'm sorry. Like, nothing is more fun than going to a Ferrari track day in a shit pile. Have you done that? No, I haven't. Okay. so But I'm interested. So Because I can imagine the experience. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The the two stories that I can give you. The first one is I always did uh, PCA, Porsche Club of America Driving Schools, when I lived in the Midwest. And I did not have a Porsche. I had a Golf. And my third ever school was at Putnam Park Raceway, which is a great little track. And I was in my (laughs) VR6 Golf, um, which, like, understeered terribly, overheated all the time on the track. I used to crack brake rotors and have to replace them halfway through the weekend. I mean, the car was just... Not suited. Not suited. And this was my third track day. So it's not like I had a lot of experience with this stuff. So I was, like, C group or B group or something. You know, I, I got out of D really fast because I was too fast. And I made the instructors laugh by, like, flinging the car sideways into a corner. And they'd be like, you can't do the, oh, my God, you did it. And I would be, like, sw- swerving in terrible form through all of the other students. And they're like, we got to get this idiot out of the D group because he's going to kill someone. So I graduated past my means and then sort of stayed there for a while until I actually learned how to control my shit. Um, And by control my shit, I mean not fuck up and then have to use car control skills to unfuck it up, which is my natural state. There was a guy there. So I'm in my VR, right? So Mark three. There was a guy there with a Lotus Esprit V8 Turbo. Um, and I believe it's not a car I would want to track orange and he helicoptered in. (laughs) So he would, was mid in a $80,000 car. He was Midwest rich. He had a team of people 
and showed up in a truck and the and the mechanics with like the suits and the whole thing would take the car out of the truck and he would helicopter in and he would do a track day. And he, I think after about 200 track days was still a B student or whatever it was. Um, and we would, we all knew who he was and we all knew that he was not able to drive this car. And finally he... I got, I caught up to him in the golf and it was the same situation. Every, you know, after every straight, he'd gone. It was that flat plane V8 and made all kinds of screaming noises. And then I'd be so far on his ass that he actually wound up leaving soot on my front bumper. Like that was my favorite thing. But they would blue flag him and blue flag him and blue flag him and blue flag him. And finally I passed him sideways, cut on the inside of him, flicked the car sideways to my instructor's absolute horror but i'm like i'm fucking sick of this i paid for a track day i'm stuck behind this douche and a fucking lotus that doesn't know what he's doing um so it kind of came in way too hot sideways past him and goodbye i never saw him again they black flagged him and sent his ass home him Uh, him because they had been so so sick of having him come up to them and say i'm not letting that volkswagen pass me happened to my friend ben and his shirako when he was there all the guys in the old 911s he was just holier than thou and finally we get rid of him and then this next douche comes in and it was a GT3 when, you know, it was 996, I think GT3 at the time. This guy comes in and he was, the instructor came in and I saw him telling the organizers, I got out of the car because the guy wasn't listening to me and he's going to crash it. And he kept saying, I don't care about the line, I just want to go fast. And as he's saying this to the organizers and the organizers are like, we're going to have to pull this guy out of the car. Like, we're going to black flag him out of here. We hear, he went into fucking orbit this is at beaver run in pennsylvania went into orbit and smashed into the wall and totaled this brand new car and that was my early experience with quote-unquote supercar drivers where they were looking at the guys in the volkswagens and the hondas and the mazdas and like those peasants have no right to be in my way or and how dare they try to pass me when we when when they should have been like why is that guy in a miata lapping me let me learn how to do something these are people who just had the money to compensize for a deficiency and couldn't do it and that really turned me off to supercar drivers and go to ferrari track day in a miata and you'll see not everyone obviously you see a lot of people who can't keep up with a miata because they don't have to Uh, i just think that's sad yeah use your tool like you know come up with like grow as a fucking person for fuck's sake i mean yeah this is why i don't track the gt3 that's why i track the miata that and the cost but mostly i would say that i want to make sure that i'm a competent enough operator before i'm out there in the gt3 nobody wants to be a slow guy in the fast car except all those guys <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't i, that I don't yeah. understand i don't understand it either uh okay so is it pro- so is it problematic to own a car with all this capability and not use it right these people also to be fair deserve credit for bothering to go to the track and trying to learn to drive God, stop being, you're making me feel like such a jerk. Well, I mean, but, where would you put the them in the, in the hierarchy <laughs> <laughs> against people who don't do that? And is it okay to just have the car with all this capability and not use it? Is there, is there, I guess you get, you get three quarters of a pass from me if you go to the track and you try and you, so long as you're not the dude in the GT3 who's like, I don't care about the line. I just want to go fucking fast. Um, I mean, he got exactly what he deserved. Um, the instructor should have been fired for forever signing off on him and letting him go out alone. But the guy was scared for his life. Well, then kick him out and make him go home. Um, but no, you get, I mean, you do get a lot of credit. What I what I really love to see is guys who go out in their, in their really fast, really capable cars um, and then come back in and say, you know what? I'm going to go buy a Miata or I'm going to go buy a GTI 
or something, something reasonable because they realize that they're being passed by people with car with a quarter as much horsepower. Um, and so something's wrong. That's what I love. I love those, you know, watching people come to the conclusion that they maybe don't know how to fully operate their machine. Okay. Uh, so, um, and, and I think really once you've experienced the joy that is just completely annihilating really expensive, really horsepower, high horsepower cars with something terrible, like, this just happened. Bill Arnold, I've talked about him before as my my good friend, the BMW legend, who's won Target Newfoundland a couple times. His wife, uh, I think she won one lap, and they've done one lap a couple times. The last two times they did it was when she was pregnant with Derek, and then the year later when Derek was like four months old, they did one lap of America. Now Derek is eighteen, and he joined our race our race team, and he's running lemons and whatever, and he just came back from his graduation present was like they did a whole bunch of different racetracks across the u.s in jethro their shitbox e36 race car that's you know i don't even i think it's a 2.8 and it. it's nothing special and he came back and he was like oh yeah i was at barber i think it was i was passion passing porsches and ferraris and i just left all these guys in mclaren's for dead and he was just he got bit like he just got bit by the bug of i'm here in a 20 something year old pile of crap race car that's just got like shock springs and tires on it and I'm faster than the... You need a car that reaches that level. Because in the Miata, I'm not quite there. I'll be up someone's ass and then they'll drive away from me in the straight. You yeah, just, but if you can catch up again, then it just becomes a challenge. Then you're just yo-yoing, mm. which, you know, can be frustrating. Mm. That's why I would like a Miata with a K-swap. Like just a, still like a 200 horsepower car instead just of a 100 horsepower car. Hit maneuver them off the track. <laughs> <laughs> That's fully legal and in good form, right? And definitely uh, we'll get you an invite back. All right, but so you work with people who drive many, many million dollar cars and hundreds of thousands of dollars of cars. Do you find that they're true enthusiasts in the way that you would consider them true, true enthusiasts? I, there is passion for cars, and I appreciate passion for cars. The thing to me, it's not, I'm not so focused on the people who operate them as the cars themselves. I'm a little bit annoyed that the cars exist. And the reason for that is... Damn you, sunshine! Damn you, sky! <laughs> damn you, clouds! Damn you, grass! <laughs> yes. Um, I hate people. I think, it's much easier. I think... Let's see. Did you leave anything else out to curse? Air! Damn you, oxygen! Petroleum! Damn you, UV! Uh, the, these cars... I, w I want to use all of the capability of a car. And maybe that's something that's deficient with me. And a lot of people don't feel that way. And it's okay for them to go out and just make noises and go fast and have something that looks like a doorstop. And, you know, I th that, that experience gives them value. And I have to be okay with that. I have to just say that there are some people who are just going to drive 66 miles an hour in the left lane. There are people who have a fundamentally different view of the world. It doesn't mean they're not assholes if they're 66 miles an hour in the left lane. Unless I mean, these that are, that's a different a group zone. of person. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are d different groups of people than people who, who buy supercars. But I have to just be okay with the fact that different strokes for different folks. Right. And while we both are enthusiastic about cars, it manifests differently. And for me, those types of cars are really frustrating because in order to be having a good time in them you are going so fast that you can't possibly do it on the street and to get all of the value out of the car you have to be on track and some people are okay with just i'm not going to use all the capability of the car like calm down you just i don't need all of the capability i have it for other reasons i use it i have it because when i was a child 
you know, I wanted a Ferrari and now I have one and it's okay with that. I mean, this is the rant that I go on associated with 355s or 550s or whatever the car is that I, that objectively is garbage or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking terrible. Or it's great. That was a really great pullback. (laughs) Um, But these, they have to just, they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And this is a thing that they are okay doing that I am not. And I, that's I, right. the so difference. You and I experience a lot of pleasure driving at the limit. A yes. limit of adhesion, limit of power, limit of revs, a bit of all that. Not everyone does that. Yes. Um, I find that most modern cars are so incredibly competent that you can't explore the limits of any of it without getting in trouble. And there have always been outliers. I mean, you go back and you read reviews of f40s and you know other hypercars and supercars when they were new and it's it's so much fun to watch to look back and see how the minds were blown of the reviewers or c43 was another one they were like we couldn't see straight peugeot 505 sdx i remember european sport said they got physically ill from the braking on that car and it was 181 feet from so 139 from 60 which is would be very good today but it was just so far out of bounds of what they were used to however what hasn't changed is our speed limits and what hasn't changed is our sight lines around corners. And so now we're at a point where cars are so unbelievably capable, they don't even fit into our world. And, you know, Teslas are that way acceleration wise, but supercars are, they were always ahead of the curve and you could always, you know, you could always say, wow, this was mind blowing performance. But the speeds at which people drive have not changed in the last 50 years and the cars have. And so they're bored. Yes, I would say that you spend more of a percentage of the time bored in the car in, that is really thought fast by modern standards than you do in an old car. And or, so the question becomes for me, like imagine now, for example, the Miura. The Miura is something that is so experience intensive that <laughs> try not to become physically ill from the <laughs> from the experience. Uh, it, it, that that it, le- it leaves you with all of this experience, <laughs> hairball, um, that, that you are left instead with the experience. And there's something there. So you get this wild experience instead. <laughs> what did you say at lunch? If I don't need medical treatment. Oh, yes. <laughs> if I don't need medical attention after interacting with the car, then I'm not interested. That's my <laughs> fundamental complaint with the E39 M5, apparently. Although I did sort of feel like I maybe needed something to not lose my lunch after all the heaving from that car. Um, wow, poor, <clears throat> poor Derek. Life is so hard for Derek Tim Hyken Scott. <sighs> I mean, I've just saved myself the effort of buying an E39 M5. Well, congratulations. But no, here's the thing even the Blackwing. So, you know, last week we talked to, again extensively about the, the Blackwing. Those <clears throat> are among, both of them are among the best sports sedans ever made, I would say. Um, I had a really, really wonderful time about uh, in CT4 V. Blackwing, especially at the end of the filming of the Icons episode that was on the CT5V, probably should have been on the 4 because I like it better, but I didn't know that until we were filming, uh, and it was too late. Um, but I did a whole bunch of backroad insane runs in CT4V, and then left that production in Beatrice, the shitbox E30, and I don't think I made it a half a mile before I started laughing and thinking to myself, sorry, Blackwing, no contest, E30 was better. And it wasn't better, more, meaning more fun, more, more fun. entertaining at the same, more joyful right, at 20, 30, 40% less speed. I had two, three, 400% more fun. The engine's more talkative. It's fizzier. It sounds better. I felt more 
way more steering input, way shorter gears, more work to do. I mean, it was just every part of that experience was more pleasurable than it was in the Blackwing. And then you then go one step further than Blackwing or five steps further than Blackwing. You go into something like a 488 or a, a Ferrari Roma or any of these supercars and they're genuinely bored at the normal sort of back road speed that you're willing to do. And I just... This I, I think that the this is the crux of the issue as I see it. I believe the question is, what do you find fun? What is right. fun to you? Like, how does whoever the person in question is? How do you define fun? Uh, and we have a very specific and probably outliery, like way outside of the fringe definition of what fun is, and that's why these types of cars don't appeal to us. If you have a more conventional definition of fun. Then I think that these cars, mm. these these cars that don't resonate with us, probably can be the answer mm. for you. But our desire to be outside of the limit, or at or beyond the limit of something, uh, is probably the reason why these cars don't resonate for with us. That's totally. And true. if you are not one of those people, if you're a more conventional definition of fun, you know, you want something that has a lot of visual impact, or you want something that's very nice inside, or you want something that is a an extension of a dream that you had as a child then these cars satisfy the that. Funny, the funny thing is it's so easy to judge those groups of people as groups of people, right? So it's so easy to say, oh, these Ferrari douchebags, they don't know how to drive their cars or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Then you start talking to the individual and you wind up stumbling on my buddy who wants a GT3 and you're like, you know what? I, I don't share the same joys that he gets out of a car and I don't share the same reasons why I want it, but I totally agree he deserves that car. He's earned it. But financially and otherwise. I mean, he's paid his dues with shit boxes and hot hatches and Alfa Romeos and all kinds of other stuff. Now he wants a GT3 and I really want him to have that. So it's a very strange thing that I can look at a group of people and say, that's a bunch of Ferrari owning douchebags who have no right to have that car. But I bet you anything, if I talk to them individually, I would say, dude, go get it. And Mostly. And then every so often there are... There's just a fucking douchebag. Yeah. Just a straight up, uh, you know, chrome wrapped Lamborghini with Forgiato wheels that you're just like. Yeah, I was gonna like send you a trap, but I'm sure if you maybe if you talk to that person, they would actually be a cool person, or not. Uh, if Daddy brought it, bought it here, for them, absolutely. Here not. is the the I think one of the issues is, do you genuinely like cars, or are you interested in the image that this portrays to the outside world? And that's a pretty important distinction. If you genuinely like cars and the reason why you are into this car is something internal, then I think that gets a lot of credit. Whereas if the the primary concern is Showing external off. projection, then I, I think that that's probably always to be condemned. It's so funny because I would agree with you and then remember back when I was looking at, when I bought my 9 and 6, I was also looking at Corvettes and said I couldn't be the guy. I couldn't be seen in that car. It was C5 at the time. I just couldn't do it. And so funny enough, as much as I say I love the car and I, you know, I love cars for the sake of driving and this engines and all the rest of the stuff, we're all, not, none of us is, is exempt from the... I have indicated a willingness to drive a Cadillac. Okay. I'm trying to think, is there something you... That's a frontier from, that's a new frontier for if me. If you drove an Aventador, hands down the best sounding car in production from the outside... If you loved the way it drove, would you be that guy who showed up in an Aventador? Genuinely, would you do it? 
what I would probably do is I would probably drive the car at night in remote places. <laughs> With very dark tinted windows. Yeah. And, and a hat and sunglasses. And a paper on bag on my head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's, at the end of the day, Chris Bangle was right. Yes. He described the cars car as, as an avatar. avatar. It is an identity that you assume. Right. But anytime someone wants to protect that, project that image, it's just like, like, this is always the case. And it doesn't matter what kind of car it is. When you see weird customizations and like, when people are putting fake carbon fiber hoods on whatever modern, you know, economy car or something like that, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, what, what is the appeal it's of so that? What is easy to make fun of them and then go talk to them. Go talk to them. My 18-year-old nephew is the one that reopened my eyes to this whole thing. Because remember, we I got him that G35 coupe here. He hit a deer. It's now back on the road. And of course, he's modifying the shit out of it. And the first thing he did was a really loud exhaust on it. And now he did taillights, headlights, front bumper, blah, blah. He wants to lower it, the whole thing. He's in love with that car. He's in absolute love with that car. And all of this, he just drove that from the southeast of the U.S. where he lives all the way to Chicago, 15 hours each way to go to some like stanced, slammed shitbox convention that he, it made his fucking world. And so that, it's so easy to sit here on in the left coast and these fucking liberal assholes and say, well, look, what is he wasting all his money on that car? He spent more on that exhaust than, you know, we spent buying the car. He loves it. It makes his world. How could I judge him for that? How could I think douchebag kid or, you know, FICA 250. <laughs> he's, he's in a Nissan. He's got no credit. I mean, like, I hear, this, I hear this all the time. Oh, he's in a Nissan. He's got no credit. You know, somebody's got to be, people constantly making fun of Nissans. That whole VQ world is enormous. And these people love passionate. their cars. Passionate, real enthusiasts. So, right. So then here's the litmus test. Would you rather have the one of those people or, you know, a person who's like, we must electrify everything and make driving illegal and make everybody live within walking distance of everywhere they need to go and all that stuff you know so it's like those people deserve to die <laughs> so Am it's I like some car enthusiasm is better than no car enthusiasm I pick something and love it for what it is not what it makes you look like even though that's fine if you have to do that i mean this is the way you are about porsches I, you know that i respect the shit out of 911s and I just make fun of 911 drivers, mostly because you have two of them, but also because they're an obvious choice. But if you need to have one sports car, you know damn well I fucking buy a 911 again. You have one. But I, do, I get that question all the time. You seem like such a 911 guy. Why do you have one? I can't have anything that good. It'll just highlight how shitty all the other cars I have are. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what do you do? You have a, Go get me a 997 gt3 rs four liter like everything else can fuck off and die i don't want it anymore that's not a good thing for someone who wants to be a hoarder yeah i mean so that to me is kind of the ultimate driver's car of the last of the modern era uh, it's just something that is so it's exactly the right blend between good and engaging and fun mm -hmm. and makes you work and get something out of it when mm -hmm. you get when the car doesn't make you work I'm always a little bit like, mm. yeah. If I had to daily drive it every day, it would it's be like bang, kill, marry, right? The one that you marry is the one that really has this enduring sort of depth to it that has this continued engagement, and you learn stuff, and it challenges you, and you're growing together, and all that stuff. If it's so outrageously good and beautiful that it drops trow immediately, and then like on the first date, then you know that's bang, right? That's it's good, but there's no sort of ongoing. Are you offended by this? Because I'm a little bit offended by this. You're not offended. Nothing offends you. 
Very few things offend you. Mm. Certain things do offend you. Um, Okay, but you're talking about dropping trowel on the first date. Yeah, that's how I feel about a lot of like modern cars that are so fast that it's just like you immediately jump in. You just want to drop drop trowel? You disgust me. (sighs) You just jump in. Sorry, I'll keep going. Supercars. Supercars. Supercars are too good. Too good. Too good. Too fast. Mm -hmm. Too soon. Too easy to go fast. I want. I want good. I want entertaining. I want. All right. So if that's banging, then Mary, what are you killing? Um, you brought this shit up. I'm just gonna hold you to it. I mean, where should I start? Chargers weaving through traffic at 115 miles an hour. More so than Altima's weaving through traffic at 115 miles an hour. Either, both. Yes. Okay. Anyone in the left lane not actively passing anyone, and by left lane I mean anything other than the rightmost lane. The rightmost. Yes, exactly. Overtaking, not overtaking. Everybody going. Hold on. Let's just do it this way. Anyone in my way yes yeah there we go um well this has been a potentially controversial and fairly heated that's true it started out with possibly the most sexist and disgusting things i've ever said which is (laughs) uh while the camera was rolling (laughs) (laughs) now i'm pretty much me on camera this is the problem i mean i could be you know yes for anyone who's asking what the linear extra what, what what jason is like to hang out i would say it's a linear extrapolation of what you see here same shit yeah. Linear extrapolation translates to same shit. Yes. And you too. He's like, boop, 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 boop. Like, you know, robot and then facts. And then robots and then very well thought out pregnant pauses while his processing speed ramps up and then he can sort of... And periodic rage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You haven't raged at me on the show yet. I mean, this, this is 60-something episodes where you've not been, oh, shut the fuck up or something like that. I mean, I think that's because we're probably pretty philosophically aligned. Yeah, well, I'm going to go buy a fucking Aventador and wrap it in gold leaf. Uh, how about that? I, I would get a lot of amusement out of that if you were to do that. I would be... Uh, I would get a lot of amusement out of it because I'd sell it and take the money to do something else because I can't afford an Aventador. Yeah. They're a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine me showing up something like, after the high horse, high fucking brow speeches I've given, I'm going to show up in some automatic shitbox fucking supercar one day and be like, oh, I've had a change of heart. I just like, I like this when I'm sitting in traffic <laughs> and it's got a lot of sound editing. I can be on calls. Never. Hell freezes over. Yeah, hell freezes over. But I am one of those Ferrari douchebags now who has paid someone to do my timing belts and before the 10-year mark, which let's be honest <laughs> is when you probably should do it because, you know, five years or three years or something, it's a waste of money. I agree, I agree with that. But it's also kind of one of the... I mean, we've t- had this conversation before, but I think Ferraris can be made douche-proof through a number of mechanisms. And this car pretty much has all of them. One of them is age. Uh, one of them is having four seats mm-hmm. and another uh, manual transmission and uh, being not red. Not this car, Rosso of Corso. Yes. So this car checks four of the douche-proofing tips. This is the, the title of this episode, How to Douche-Proof Your Ferrari. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the point at which we end episode number 62 or 3 of the Carmudgeon Show, which on is part the of the Haggerty Podcast Network. He just clap he <laughs> with no wind up at all. <laughs> wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>